The reading is in Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 12, and it's on page 1132 of the Church Bibles. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, in this way death came to all men, because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as the reign of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. The law was added so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Before we start and before we dive in, I'll lead us in a prayer. We just sang these words, show us Christ, show us Christ, O God, reveal your glory through the preaching of your word. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word is indeed revealed, uh, your glory is indeed revealed in your word. And so, Father, as we come to hear your word now, would we see your glory in it? Please, Father, give us understanding. Please help us to understand some of the complications here. Please, Father, give us hearts that are teachable so that, Father, by the help of your Spirit, we may indeed see Christ this morning. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, a few years ago, I got to know uh, a man looking into Christianity. Um, He was a very engaged guy. He was very keen. Uh, We got on very well. And um, he was convinced on almost every single point. Uh, time after time, he said, yeah, I agree with that, I agree with that, I agree with that, it was great. Um, but he didn't understand one point, which was this. He couldn't understand how the death of Jesus connected to him personally. 
I mean, he could see that Jesus had died to provide forgiveness of sins. He could see that Jesus had been raised to bring life. But how did that relate to him 20 centuries later? And actually, him raising that question was a legitimate question because it feels like there's a huge separation between us and Jesus. 2,000 miles, 2,000 years of history. How does Jesus connect with me today? And for many in our Western culture, as our culture becomes less familiar with the Christian worldview, that idea seems very strange indeed, doesn't it? I mean, you can understand a religion that teaches that your sins are paid for by yourself, uh, that when you do wrong, you do good works, and it kind of cancels it out. You can kind of understand that. But the idea of Jesus, someone separated from us in time and space, paying for my sins personally, it seems to many a foreign idea today. But of course, it's not just a question that uh, the world outside asks. It's actually something I think that we as Christians ask as well. Perhaps there are times where we struggle to feel that personal connection with Jesus, to feel that it's real. I mean, we understand in our heads what Jesus has done. We've heard this series in Romans. We get the fact his death and resurrection has brought forgiveness and life but it doesn't feel tangible. Perhaps it's in that struggle with sin when we face temptation time after time again and we lose the battle quite often and we wonder, am I really different to anyone else? Has Jesus' death really changed me personally? It doesn't feel like it has. It feels like sin is more personal, uh, more powerful. Or perhaps we're someone who just struggles with life in this fallen world. Our our bodies, our minds feel tired, and we don't feel like a people who have been transformed by the cross. And so we start to ask ourselves, has Jesus' death really got the impact on me, as the Bible says that it has? Or perhaps it's when we contemplate death, and we wonder what Jesus did so long ago, so distant from us, is whether that's going to bring me life beyond the grave or life to my friend. Well, the second half of Romans chapter 5, where we are this morning, um, confronts us in that question. Um, Romans chapter 5 is there to assure us. It's there to assure us that what Jesus did 20 centuries ago connects with us today in a real and personal way. Now, how does Paul show us this? Well, He's got a really fascinating approach here because he he takes the attention off of us. He doesn't really speak about us at all. But instead, he sets up a comparison between Adam and Jesus. Now, there are lots of complicated ideas in this passage. This passage is probably um, one of... uh, the passages that have been talked about most in church history, like every century people have talked about it. But um, we're not going to go into all the details, but uh, hopefully um, we'll make sense of it, because at the heart of it is this comparison, which I've put on a diagram, uh, between Adam and Jesus. And we see that there at the end of 5 verse 14. He says this, As did Adam, who was the pattern of the one to come. See, Adam was the pattern of the one to come. Adam was a pattern of Jesus Christ. 
Now, what does he mean by that? Well, the idea of a pattern is the same idea as the idea of a shadow, and we hear that throughout Scripture. Um, the sh- a shadow is both like an object, but unlike the object it shadows. You know, if I was to show you a shadow of an animal, I do this with my kids, um, make a little bunny face on the wall, that, su- that sort of thing, you can kind of guess what the animal is. But it's not to say that the, same, the shadow is the same thing as the, the animal. It's like it, but it's also unlike it. And Paul wants to show us this morning that Adam is like that. He's like Jesus, but he's also unlike him in some crucial ways. Now, I say that, and you might think to yourself, how does that connect with this question about me being connected with Jesus? Well, that's where we're going to get to at the end. So I'm going to save all the, all the juicy bits at the end. That's where all the application is going to be under our third point. But first, we need to understand this quite complex comparison between Adam and Jesus. Because if we understand that, if we understand what Adam and Jesus have done, then we're going to understand our connection with Jesus. So that's where we're going to go. We're going to first look at Adam, then we're going to look at Jesus, and then we're going to hopefully be assured. So point one then, you were living in Adam's human race. See, almost everyone agrees that our world is not the way it should be. There is, as we look around us, real beauty in our world, isn't there? Real beauty in human relationships. But yet we know that that beauty is so often spoiled. Now the question is why? Well, the answer Paul gives here is not a problem as such, but a person, Adam. Now, Adam, as many of us will know, was the first human. He was the first one in God's image, and he was put in the garden with Eve in a perfect world, in a perfect relationship with God. And he was free to enjoy the the whole garden, but he was not to eat from one tree, one command he had to obey, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If he did that, then he would die. But we know, don't we, how the story went. He broke the command and death entered the world. Both spiritual death, separation from God, but also physical death as his life was brought eventually to an end. But interestingly, what Paul draws out in this passage is not that sin as such, but how that sin affected others. See, Adam's sin wasn't just an act that kind of concerned him. It didn't just stay localized in the Garden of Eden, but it affects every single one of us. Have a look at verse 12 to see that. He says this, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin to Adam, and in this way death came to all men. See, death came to all men, all people. And verse 18 Consequently, just as the result of one, one trespass was condemnation for all men, for all people. See, one man, Adam, made one decision, and that brought death and condemnation, not just to him, but to all people. Now, if you come to our house at the moment, you'll see that the bottom of our front door is covered both, um, both sides with parcel tape. Brown parcel tape looks very nice. Um, why have we done that? Well, our son um, loves drumsticks. And um, the thing is, it's not only his drum kit that he likes banging with these drumsticks. He likes to go around the house and 
listen to see, um, uh, what I, uh, it likes to hear what stuff sounds like when it's hit with a drumstick. And um, they decided a couple of weeks ago to, to, sound, to hear what glass sounded like when it's hit with a drumstick. But you're ahead of me. It, it turns out that glass uh, doesn't really like being hit with drumsticks. And as he hit it, much to my joy, he, um, a crack, a little dent appeared in the middle of the bottom of our front door. But the thing is, that was pretty bad, but um, the, the crack didn't stay where it started. See, over the next couple of days, with the door being open and closed and that sort of thing, the, the crack spread out all over the place. So much so that um, we came downstairs the other day and shards of glass were coming off uh, in the kids' hands. It was very, very concerning. Hence the parcel tape. They're all fine and we're going to get a new front door, hopefully, in a couple of weeks. Adam Sin, this one act of disobedience is like the spreading of that crack. See, it doesn't stay where it started. It, his one act reaches out everywhere. It brought death into the world. It brought sin. It brought condemnation to all people. Now, it's important here to pause and to see our connection with Adam. Now, this is quite difficult for us to hear, but it is so important for when we get to Jesus Christ. See, we're connected in a real way to Adam. He is our representative. Now, the fancy term for this is he is our federal head. He represents us so that as he's condemned, we're condemned with him. Now, I know as I say that, that's quite hard for lots of us, if we're from a Western culture, to get our heads around. Because when we think of our individual identity, we tend to think of ourselves as isolated individuals. I mean, we have relationships, but primarily we're separate entities. But actually, if you travel around the world, you'll see that not everyone thinks that way. That actually some people think, or the majority of the world probably thinks, that actually we get our identity as part of a larger group of a family or a tribe or a nation. And here we see that we're not as individual as our Western culture might make us think. See, there's a real connection with Adam. So that as what he does, in a sense, the whole of humanity does. Now, to help us understand this, I, the best illustration I could think of was um, for you to imagine you're living in 30, 1939. I know some of us actually were. And Neville Chamberlain comes on the radio and he says these words, this country is at war with Germany. Now, there's a real sense in which every single person is at war with Germany after that point. See, whether you wanted war or not, whether you're a pacifist or not, whether you had any personal difference with Germany or not, didn't matter, because you're all wrapped up in that decision of the Prime Minister to go to war. And so it is with Adam. He sins, he dies, he's condemned, but as our representative, we all sin, we all die, and we're all condemned. Now, I know some of us will ask the question, I asked it myself, how can that be fair? I mean, I didn't choose Adam to be my representative. I didn't make the decision. So why am I suffering the consequences? Now, the answer to that is long, <laughs> and it's very complex. Um, and it's more than we've got time for this morning. Now, in fact, if you do want to follow this up, there's a theologian called John Murray, 
And uh, he's written loads on this and spoken loads. And in fact, I found that he's done six one-hour sessions on this question. So if you're really keen, there's plenty of material for you. But just to say a couple of things. First is that we need to recognize that that question is valid, but it's slightly artificial because we have all sinned. See, there's nothing to suggest in the whole of Scripture that we would have made a different choice to Adam. We would have all done the same thing under his circumstances. And secondly, there is room, I think, for a bit of mystery here. See, we don't have to get our heads around precisely how we're connected to Adam, but we do need to see that Scripture teaches that we are connected to him. And because of that genuine connection, there is a sense that we have all sinned in him, which, is right, which makes it right that we share in his consequences. Now, if that confuses you, don't worry, um, because the Paul's whole point here is not that we get tied up in theological knots about our connection, but it's to show us where we all have come from, to show us the utter hopelessness of being in Adam's human race. I wonder if you feel that. See, even before you were born, Adam had taken a decision that had brought sin and death into this world, and there was no chance you would be any different. No chance that you could save yourselves because Adam had taken the decision to sin. Now, how does this help us with our question at the beginning of being connected with Jesus? Well, here's one piece of the answer. See, we're already, all of us, are connected to one person just by being human. See, in Adam we have an example, albeit a negative one, of how someone so separate from us in time and space can affect us so deeply today. And if we get that negative connection, we're ready to get the positive connection in Jesus. And we're going to do that under our second point. You now live in Jesus' human race. See, there was another man, like Adam, who made a different decision that affected multitudes. Have a look at verse 18. He says this, Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. Do you see the comparison? It's on our diagrams. Adam committed one trespass, one sin, and that led to widespread sin, death, and condemnation. But Jesus committed one act of righteousness, and that led to widespread justification, righteousness, and life. See, both Adam and Jesus do a hugely significant act 